Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, America. America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. Soccer new America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. I'm Soccer Noob and joining me as always is my nine-year-old daughter and co-host, Person Noob. As Americans, we're new to the sport, so we're going to rock America, as we like to say, and uh, sing it for better or worse. So we're doing our learning by doing a podcast weekly, bringing many previews of the 10 most intriguing matches worldwide to you. As we define that, which I promise you is different than any other podcast or show out there, because we're willing to go anywhere on the planet for those oh-so-sweet top two league matchups, uh, national team uh, tournament games, and so much more. Plus, a lot of our loopy humor is in store, as always. So, let's dive right in with... Match number one! Our first one was to be a Friday match from England, the WSL Women's Super League, between currently in second place Chelsea and right behind them at number three, Tottenham Hotspur women. But there was a giant outbreak of COVID with the Chelsea squad, and so the match has been postponed. It has not been officially set for a new date, to the best of my knowledge. One thing I can tell you for certain is that the two teams were scheduled to face off once again, but with Tottenham as the home team on April 24. And rather than replace this match, we will simply move on with... Match number B. And so our first mini preview is actually going to be a Saturday match. And yes, you did hear right. We did talk about the number B Chelsea women in the first uh, non-preview, if you will. And you did just hear Dr. Dearest and co-host Person Noob say match number B. We do not believe in the phrase number ugh, two. It's not fit for polite society. It's bathroom talk and we all know it. So we encourage you to join us in replacing that phrase in your life with number B. And your Saturday match number B comes from Germany's Bundesliga, which is the number four UEFA ranked league. It is just behind Italy and way ahead of number five in terms of coefficient points. They max out on the number of international berths they get for Champions League. They get to send one to the Europa League and then yet another one to the new tertiary international club tournament, the Europa Conference League. And on the other end of the spectrum, this is going to be relevant for this particular match, two teams are going to get automatically relegated or kicked out of the league at the end of the season, the ones that finish at the bottom. And then the third to last team, number 16, will have to play in what's called a relegation playoff, which with a team from uh, the second division that's trying to move up and take their spot. They're about halfway through the season, and the match that we're going to look at is number five, Hoffenheim. They are taking on number 15, Augsburg. Now, the reason we're looking this one, in case you're a burgeoning fan like me and may not be in the know, there's an 18-year-old striker from FC Dallas named Ricardo Pepe. Uh, Pepe. He's also becoming a big star on the U.S. men's national team, and he just signed an 18 or $20 million or pound uh, transfer deal with Augsburg. So he's going to help them try to uh, stay clear of the relegation zone. And it's a very big deal because it's the second biggest transfer fee that any major league soccer player has ever gotten when going over to Europe. So that's the reason we've selected this one instead of our usual number one versus number B or number B versus number three. Now, let's take a look at the table first for each team. Hoffenheim, they're in fifth place. Third through seventh place are only separated by two points. So just about anything could happen in terms of European competition. And then Augsburg, they are ahead by only one point of number 16, Stuttgart. As far as the series between them, Hoffenheim have had the best of it recently with a 
four and five record. Hoffenheim also absolutely whomped them earlier this season on the road, nil four. Uh, you can catch this at nine thirty in the morning on ESPN Plus. That's nine thirty Eastern time, by the way. And as always, uh, even though Augsburg is our destination, the journey we're going to talk about the home team first is Hoffenheim. And I get the pleasure of uh, uh, sharing a lot of information about these various clubs. So. Here's what to know. TSG 1989 Hassel Hoffenheim is actually the full name of the club. And yes, it is named for a uh, German superhero, basically, American actor David Hasselhoff, easily the most popular figure we've ever had over there. After five thrilling seasons of Knight Rider in the earlier 80s, the Hoff embarked in 1989, not a coincidence, obviously, on the television ride of our lifetimes, Baywatch. What you're hearing right now is the theme from that first season in 1989. This isn't the music you're used to hearing, probably, from all the other seasons. This was done by Kim Carnes, and it was called Above the Waterline. It was only used in the first season. It's also, it's not an official anthem, really, but a lot of the supporters groups in Hasselhoffenheim sing this regularly at the matches. This is the management. The club's name is TSG 1899 Hoffenheim, named for the correct year of the club's founding. The German city is, of course, simply Hoffenheim. Noob's a bit of a scallywag ne'er-do-well, an all-around goof. We thank you for your patronage and now return you to your regularly scheduled whatever this is. Watch yourself, talent boy. Okay, fine. The management ruin all my fun. <laughs> anyway, Augsburg, the real reason that we're covering this match. Uh, most of their history, this has been a yo-yo team. They've actually been going most of the time between Division Two and Division Three, not the Bundesliga, the top flight. And in fact, in the early 2000s, they got knocked all the way down to Division Four. But then they bounced back up over the next several years. And by 2011, we're back in the Bundesliga and they've been there ever since. And uh, 2014-15 was their best ever league finish. They finished in fifth that year. Uh, they made the Europa League round of 32, in fact, the next year. A very nice run. run. And now you're going to think that because of what I did in the first half of this, that maybe I'm faking here on the second half. But this is a, a really little interesting uh, bit of history, if you will, for Hoffenheim. Uh, the club was found that uh, their nickname is the Fuggerstadter, if I'm pronouncing it right. It is named for the Fugger or Fugger family. I'm going to pronounce it Fugger. Uh, they founded what is called the Fuggerei, and I'm hoping I'm getting the pronunciation right. German is not my strong suit. Strong suit. It is the world's oldest public housing complex that is still in use in modern times. It was actually founded all the way back in the 1500s. It's a walled-in enclave within the, uh, or exclave rather, within the city limits. And uh, it's very much, if you were to wander through there, kind of set up like a medieval town, just because so much hasn't changed. And in fact, one of the very cool things that hasn't changed is, is the rent. Uh, that Basically, they only charge families 0.88 euros per annum. That is what they figure that uh, it cost at the time in uh, real whatever currency they were using back in the 1500s. Kind of cool. Anyway, back to the footy side of things. Last year, they finished in 13th of the league. Uh, this year, their offense, defense, goal differential, number 15 across the board. Players to look for. Uh, they've got a top 10 in the league goalkeeper, so maybe a little bit above average. Uh, Rafał Gikowicz, he's a Polish 34-year-old veteran. Interestingly, he's got a twin brother, but uh, they must have wanted to practice against one, one another and their kids because he plays striker, not goalie, uh, for a team over in the uh, Indian Super League. I believe it's uh, Chennaiyan. But their best all-around player on this team, I believe, is Reese Oxford. He's from England, center back, another youngster, or not another one. The other guy was a veteran, but he's 23 years old. But he's going to be sitting out this match. Won't be available, unfortunately. Uh, too many yellow and or red cards. So they've got to set him down for one on penalty points accumulation. The team's current form, they are 1-2-0 and oh in their last three. Everything's been pretty low scoring, just a 3-1 to one goal differential. But things are looking a little bit better for them over those matches. Now, as far as Ricardo Pepe, why is it that he's coming over here? Well, he feels like he's going to be able to get better development and better competition over in one of the top flight leagues in Europe. And that's fair. I think a lot of people would say Major League Soccer is probably top 15 in the world. 
Obviously, as we discussed earlier, Germany is one of the top three or four. Why is it that they want him? Well, he's a functional passer. He's an okay dribbler. His critics will say that the only thing this guy does is score goals. And yet, that's the hardest thing probably to do in the sport, which makes him so incredibly valuable. He's a bit of a poacher, so his shooting accuracy is very good. He scores on 57% of his shots, which is pretty incredible, even given his age. Uh, Augsburg's current center forward or striker is Florian Niederlechner. He is 31 years old and he has just three goals, yet he is the team leader in that particular regard. So you can see why they need to uh, bring somebody in and get him to develop fast. But uh, Niederlechner hasn't played since December 4th, and even when, when he was playing more regularly, uh, there's been very few matches that he's played uh, more than 45 minutes in, so he's not getting used as a full-time starter. Instead, Augsburg has been playing two up front instead of three like they had been. So the good news for Pepe is, I think, that this team is going to be able to go to a three-forward or two-forward and a striker uh, look very, very quickly. And even though the club is fighting for relegation, which not might, might not be great for him, this should be an outstanding location for him to get plenty of minutes at such a young age. Match number three. This is another Saturday match, and we're off to Bangladesh for an FA Cup final. This is their knockout tournament that runs separate from their league, just like in most every country. It looks like this particular event is only open to Premier League teams at the very least least that's all that's been alive for the last couple of rounds. The winner of this match is going to get an AFC Cup qualification round berth. Now note that that is not the AFC Champions League. That is a secondary league somewhat akin to the Europa League. And your matchup, having made the final, is going to be a single leg in a neutral site in Dhaka, basically the national stadium in the capital. It's number eight, Ramat Ganj MFS, and they are taking on number three, Abahani. And that's all you get for this one, because match number three is typically when we connect with 3,500-year-old Oracle Noob Stradamus. May whatever mighty vision he has help us know exactly how to gamble on this match. Greetings from the merciless plains of Greece, where my prognosticative powers have been honed by the cutting winds for millennia. You're welcome. Nature and man, the two come together as I have partaken of the lotus leaf and also imbibed prescription pills and fresca so I may now travel through space and time. Awareness comes to me and I am in the dark. Still, I can see just enough, and since I am in a temple, though the original Sina architectural look be lost here to renovation, I know this is a temple of the Pancharatna goddess Durga. It is doubted by some, but there is no mistaking. This is one of the Shakti Pithas, a shrine devoted to Shakti practitioners Hindus devoted to worship of the female goddesses. And here, one of the fallen jewels from the mother goddess's crown, a sati, fell from the heavens to earth. Vainly, I searched the temples for the sati, plural, as there are also the four temples of Shiv here, built for Shiva around different linga, molded forms that represent that god. I don't find the Sati, but I find her, the idol form of Durga. She is also Dakeshwari, Shiva's wife. True or not, many believe Dhaka is named for her in this temple in the southwest of the city. Mounted on her lion and with her ten arms raised, I am struck down in awe. And me without her satir. The shame envelops. My doom is imminent. I sense my end at her wrath. And I awake. Noob, there can be no doubt. 
Both clubs may be in Dhaka, but Ratmangos are in old Dhaka, and they will win on the appointed day ten to nil. I have seen. I have spoken. And I've soiled my holy robes again. Match number four. All right, so Durga equals Dakashwari, a wife to Shiva, uh, has a temple in Dhaka, uh, the old town apparently, and the city itself might have been named for it. Awesome. Uh, gotta be honest, uh, a 10-0 score seems unlikely in this or virtually any game. But hey, New Bites, at least we learned something. More than enough to go down a rabbit trail if we want to on our own sometime individually about the goddess and the city. But now, match number four. We're going to go to England once again for the FA Cup. And this time we're, it's not a postponed match. It is the third round proper of the knockout FA Cup tournament. Now at this stage, all of the Premier League teams are entering the fray and all the uh, ECL teams, English Championship Leagues, Level 2, they are now all in as well. And uh, don't forget, the winner is going to get a group stage berth into the Europa League automatically. Matchup we've chosen to look at, as always, we are looking for Minos. What team is from the lowest level of the English pyramid in terms of leagues that is still alive, alive and that Honor goes this time to Kidderminster Harriers FC. They're going to be taking on from the championship, Reading United. We're only going to talk about Kidderminster, to be perfectly honest. That's the team we're interested in. Teams that we may never get to talk about again. Uh, they are known as the Harriers, which is a short-tailed hawk. Uh, the town of Kidderminster is about 55,000. It's in west-central England, uh, the Midlands, not quite as far as the Welsh border. The counter they're in, uh, county they are in is Worcestershire, and uh, there are some that say that the Shire in J.R.R. Tolkien's novels was actually based on this area. Uh, back in the 1500s, this was a big weaving cloth town. That is their history economically. Uh, by the 18th century, carpet weaving was the big thing, and that uh, stayed as uh, just about the exclusive industry in this town all the way up until it started to decline in the 1970s, but still they hang on to this piece of history as the Carpet Makers is still one of the club's nicknames. Also, another interesting fun f- fun side note, their grounds is called uh, Agborough, and uh, they have played here for their entire 130, I believe, six-year history. Uh, capacity was about 6,500, and there's about enough seats for half that many. Uh, the team entered this tournament at the second qualifying round. They beat two level five teams in their last two rounds to advance this far. Last one was FC Halifax Town. Best that they have ever done is the team made it to what is now called League Two back in 2002, which is the fourth level of the English pyramid, but they got relegated three years later. And now they are in the National League North, level six. This is the highest level league, along with National League South, that is not national in scope. Uh, There is a league called the National League that is level five, but then there are the North and South divisions below that that comprise all or at least part of level six. Uh, Here in the 2021-22 league season, they are currently in fifth place. They've got anywhere between one and three matches in hand versus most of the clubs around them in the table because they've advanced so far in this particular event. But to be honest, based on their points per match, fifth place is about right for them. And yet they've got the number one goal differential in the league. They've got top two offense and top two defense. Uh, Key player to look for tied for, uh, or not tied, but in the top 10 in league scoring is Ashley Hemmings, uh, forward 30 years old. Wolverhampton fans might have a shot at remembering his name. He came up in their youth system, but he spent the biggest chunk of his career with a club called uh, Dagenham and Redbridge, which is in the fifth level. Uh, This club has made it this far a few times, and in fact, they made it all the way to the fourth round in the 2013-2014 FA Cup. Match number five. We stay on Saturday and head to Africa to the western nation of Guinea. The top flight there is called the Championnat National, given that it was formerly a French colony. They are tied for number seven in the CAF, which is the a confederation of African football. They're tied with Angola, by the way. Because they're in the top 12, the top two teams, instead of just one, will get to go to the Champions League, and they're just about halfway through the season. And your matchup is number one, Haroya, taking on number three, S-O-A-R, Koya. Here's how the table looks. 
Haroya right now are on 26 points. Uh, Wakaira or Wakira is at 23. And then we find SOA Arcoya at 22, battling really for that second spot probably more than anything. And you'll find out why as we talk about Haroya. They are playing out of the capital city of uh, Konakri. They are the defending champions and, in fact, have won nine out of the last 11 titles. That's why I say that SOA Arcoya is probably in a battle for that second one because Haroya pretty much always win the first one. Uh, the team has made 12 Champions League appearances all since 2000. Farthest they've ever made is the quarterfinals, which they've done twice, most recently, the 2018-2019 season. Last two seasons, they've managed to get to the group stage, but no farther. This year in league play. Red, hot, and then some number one offense. It's not a really high-scoring league. They actually score fewer than 1.5 goals per match, but it's still number one for them. They've got the number one defense by lots and lots. I've never almost seen anything like this, at least on the men's side. They have only given up three goals in 12 games. And so they have the number one overall goal differential by over a factor of two. Uh, The team has won six straight matches, and no one has scored on them in seven straight. And now SOA, Arcoya. You'll oftentimes still see or hear this as C-O-Coya, but the new acronym for them is S-O-A-R. And it is, forgive my French, Super Olympique d'une Afrique Renaissance, I believe. In any case, Coya is both a Western city and Western prefecture in the country. Uh, the city has about 80,000 people. The prefecture's got well over a quarter million in it. This team, even less really to know about them than Heroia, to be honest. They were first promoted to Division I uh, back just a couple years ago, 2016-17. Last year, they were in sixth place. This year, very well balanced. Top two offense, top three defense. In their current form, they are 1-3-1 one, and one in their last four. Now, you might say, noob, that's not a whole lot more than I knew before. But it is more than you knew before, probably. And that is one of the fun things about our podcast. Demanding little felines, what is it they want? Probably what they want every week when they play the sounder, and that is for us to take a break and give a recap of last week's matches that we tracked. Let's do it. Match number one was a Saturday match from the Premier League of England. It was number four Arsenal taking on number one Man City, and Man City got the road victory one to two. Rodri, who we said to look out for, he had the game-winning goal. No change in table position for either team. Match number B was the 2020. Yeah, they were finally able to get to this, the AFC AFF final leg number two between Thailand and Indonesia and it was a draw for match number two a 2-2 draw specifically that means Thailand uh, because they won the first match 4-0 win on Aggarin 6-2 congratulations to them on the trophy match number three Palestine's West Bank Premier League we saw number B Jabal Al-Mukabur taking on number five Shabab al uh, Dahiria and the result in a shootout. It was Mukaber coming out on top six to three. No change in table position here for these teams either. Match number four to Ghana's Premier League. Number one, Aduana Stars took on number B, Asante Katoko, and the result was a nil two win for the traditional powers from Katoko. They move up to number one, and that actually dropped Aduana Stars all the way down to number three. Sunday, match number five, we took a look at a minnow match in the Coupe de France, their FA Cup, the round of 32, FC Versailles 78 from the fourth level of French soccer versus La Roche VF from the fifth level. And Versailles uh, absolutely blasted them 4-0. All the goals were in the first half. Uh, possible man of the match uh, was probably just that that we said to look for. Christopher Ibayi. Uh, he had a brace of goals. Match number six between number B, Chelsea, and number three, Liverpool in the Premier League. It was a 2-2 draw. Uh, American Wonderboy Christian Pulisic had the game-tying goal. No change here for table position. Match number seven. Uh, that was from Guatemala's Liga Nacional. It was their apertura, their playoff final, leg number two of the two-legged tie between number B from the regular season, Comunicaciones, and number four, Deportivo Malacateco. And it was a nil-nil draw for the second leg here. And so that means Malacateco gets a hoist the trophy because they won the first match at their place two to nil. Congratulations to them. 
Wednesday, Iraq's Premier League was the destination. We had number B, uh, Al-Zahra versus number one, Al-Shorta. And it was Al-Shorta coming out on top, one to two. And that drops uh, Al-Zahra or Zarea, not sure which. But in any case, they are now in a three-way tie in second place. Match number nine from Benin's Championnat Nacional. We had number B from one of their four groups. It's a huge league, AS. Cotonou taking on number one Coton Sport Wida, and it was AS Cotonou coming out on top 2-1. No change in table position because Wida had a bit of a lead, but obviously they are closer now. Thursday, match number 10 from Serie A in Italy. Number five, Juventus took on number three, Napoli. It was a 1-1 draw for the result. No change in table position for these two. And then our three bonus matches with explanations coming later. The route of the week was a Wednesday match from Togo's Championnat. Nacional. We had number eight from their group. Uh, Ifaja taking on uh, number B, Kara, and the result was a nil one win for Kara. Then the most meaningless match in the world, a Friday match for the United Arab Emirates Pro League. We saw number nine, Korfakan, taking on number eight, Al Idihad Kalba. The result was a nil two win for the road team, Kalba, and that moved them up to number five. Maybe not quite so meaningless after this. And then finally, your match of disappointed from Sunday's uh, Bermuda Premier Division. We had number 10, Somerset Eagle, Eagles, rather, taking on the last place, number 11, Crossroad Warriors. And it was another shootout. Crossroad Warriors ended up getting the win 3-4. to four. That vaulted them up to number 9, and it dropped Somerset Eagles down into last place, number 11. That finishes up your recap of last week's episode's matches. Now let's dive right back in to our upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. The last of our Saturday matches takes us to Europe once again. Cyprus, a first division matchup between the top two teams. That is the top flight in that country. This is the number 20 ranked league in all of UEFA, down five from a year ago. Uh, Puts them between the Czech Republic and Norway. Just to give some perspective there, if you're familiar with either of those. As far as international tournament bursts, they get just one into the Champions League. That team doesn't get into the group stage right away. They've got to earn their way in. They start in the second qualifying round, and then they'll send two or three teams to the Europa Conference League that we mentioned earlier. And your matchup, number B, AEK Larnaca versus number one, Apollon Limassol. It is Limassol that currently lead the league by one, and then Larnaca in turn lead Aris Limassol by one. Very close between those three, obviously, and no one else is close. This is going to be a three-horse race for that Champions League berth. We'll talk about their home team first. Their fuller name is Athletic Union, I'm going to pronounce it Kaitayan, K-I-T-I-O-N, of Larnaca. And that Kaitayan is the southern island kingdom that was here during the 13th century BC. It was founded by Achaean, or Greek, soldiers after the Trojan War. Now, this is in modern times the number three size city in the country, about 150,000 people. They're ranked uh, well outside the top 100, 124 by UEFA for clubs. Puts them next to probably one of the best clubs from Hungary, to be honest, uh, Ferenc Faros. They are the four-time league runners-up. They have never quite won the title, and uh, they've got all four of those number B finishes since 2014. 2018-19, they did get to go to the Champions League because apparently the league got two berths then. And they made the group stage for the first time and finished in third place. That wasn't good enough to advance, but it wasn't last place either. Last year in league play, they finished in fifth place. Uh, That was only good enough for, I believe, a Europa Conference League berth. In any case, their stats, they have the best offense going at over one and a half goals per match. Uh, Top two defense, They allow fewer than one goal per match, and that's good collectively for the number one overall goal differential in the league. So perhaps these are your favorites, despite the lack of truly winning history. Tied for number B in league scoring is Ivan Tchaikovsky. He's a North Macedonian 34-year-old vet, plays winger. Uh, Belgian fans might recognize his name. He played for Club Brugge back in 2012-13. They also had the rights for him for another year after that, but he was loaned out. And he, uh, if you follow international team tournaments, or national team tournaments, I should say, this guy has 67 national team caps for Cyprus. Uh, the team's form, uh, they're just 1-1-1 in their last three. And that loss, they just got walloped at home by number five, Paphos, 1-3. And now Apollon Limassol. 
Uh, this is a demon that was founded 67 years ago and was created directly in connection to the movement for reunification with Greece, which is, I think, still something of a big deal to their, uh, there today. Even if they're not looking specifically for unification, I know that a lot of people, particularly in the uh, southwest part of the island, uh, they very much consider themselves just as much or more Greek as they do Cypriot. Uh, Limassol is the second biggest city in the island country, 100,000 people, a quarter million overall in the metro, a uh, big, big port. The only port that probably does as much business is uh, Famagusta. And uh, what I was looking at didn't say a lot about them because it's not really an internationally recognized area outside of Turkey. It's in the part of the country that is known as Northern Cyrus right now. But more happily, this is also wine country once you get a little bit in from the coast, some excellent vintages from there. Soccer-wise, they have won the league title three times, most recently 2005-2006. They've made the Europa League a bunch of times in recent years, never made it past the group stage, though. Uh, in uh, this year's version, the 2021-22 Europa Conference League, I guess the only version they've ever had, this team got to play in the second qualifying round but lost right away. Last year in league play, they were in second place. This year, very well balanced. Second best offense, third best defense, second best overall goal differential. Man of the match possibilities. Top 10 in league scoring is Bagali Dabo. He is a Frenchman, veteran striker, 33 years old. Uh, he spent the last couple of years before coming here with Nefchi, one of the pretty good teams over in Azerbaijan. And despite his advanced age, that is the first time that he has played for a top flight team anywhere, and now he's with another one. And that's particularly surprising to me because he came up with a League One team from his homeland in France, uh, Lorient. Tied with him in league scoring is Ionis Pitas, left winger, 25 years old. He's been here uh, with what few senior career years he's had so far, although he was loaned out one of those five or six years. They think very well of him. He's already got 14 national team caps. Uh, this team also has a 1-1-1 one, one, and one form working for them right now, all those scoring affairs. Match number seven. This is our first Sunday match, and it comes to us from the 2021 AFCON. The AFCON is the National Team Championships of Africa. It is a biennial event, and they're hanging on to the 2021 name because they hold it in odd-numbered years like everything else in the world that got delayed by COVID. It's being hosted in the country of Cameroon, and here's the format. It's bigger and better than ever. They've expanded from 16 to 24 teams this year. So they've broken things down into six groups of four. The top two teams from each group are going to advance, and then the four best third-place finishers will also advance. So, yes, if you're doing your math at home, that means they're only going to eliminate a quarter of the field with the entire single-round robin taking place here for the group stage. In any case, rather than take a look at, ooh, where might the upsets be or what might be the most competitive match, I thought, why not just start by giving the gracious host nation their due? Ranked to number seven in Africa by FIFA is Cameroon, and so they are truly playing host to number 11, uh, Burkina Faso. The series has been even between them in recent meetings as they have a 1-3-1 and one record against one another. And we will talk first about the gracious host, Cameroon, and because they are so gracious, we will not harp on them too hard for being the indomitable Lions for their nickname. I like the adjective, not a big fan of Lions because every other club in the world. But if you've listened before, you know that. Uh, number 50 is their FIFA rank. They should have been at the top of pot number two for the draw. The best teams were in one, the next best that were in two, etc. But they get to be in pot number one as a gift for being the hosts. They went 4-0 and in the event qualifiers and they had a uh, very astounding 9-1 goal differential. Uh, the most African World Cup qualifications, that title belongs to this country. They have made it seven times, although not since 2014, a couple of iterations ago. Uh, they have won five titles for this event between the years of 1984 and 2017. And in 2019, more recently, they made the round of 16. Uh, this is a very, very veteran group, and they are led by key player Andre Frank Zambo Anguisa, or maybe a Zanguisa. In any case, he's a defensive midfielder who sometimes uh, plays a fair bit in a true central midfielder's role. Passing accuracy is astounding, and he's got a 72% dribble rate. So this is a guy who can really move the ball forward, whether it's on the counter or just on a more traditional attack. 
Fulham, Fulham currently of the championship have the rights to him in England, and uh, I think they could use him, but he's currently loaned out to Serie A's Napoli over in Italy. We have a couple of USA connections with this team. Olivier Mbizo, or Mbizo, he is a defender for Philadelphia, 24 years old, with four national team caps for Cameroon. And then another one, uh, Nohu Tolo, their left back, 24 years old, and the day is Seattle Sounders. And now we'll talk about uh, Burkina Faso. They are known as the Stallions. Really cool nickname. One of the peoples of this area, historically, they are the uh, Mossy people, and they've got a legendary princess named Yanenga. And uh, I'm not familiar with any of the stories, but I'm assuming uh, regarding her, but I'm assuming her horse or horses must be play key roles because they named this team the Stallions after her horse or horses specifically. In any case, they are ranked number 60 by FIFA. They've never qualified for a World Cup. Uh, 2013, they were the runners-up for this event, and that's the best they've ever done. They didn't even qualify in 20, uh, 2019 last time, so they've got to be just itching to get back to it. Last time they did play, 2017, they finished in third place. In the qualification stage for this event, they went 2-4-0 and oh, with a 12-4 and four goal differential. That's a lot of draws for such a a big goal differential. They must have just really walloped on one or two teams. In any case, a possible man in the match to look for, team leader, is Edmund Tapsoba. He's just 22 years old, but he is already playing for a pretty darn good Bundesliga team, top flight in Germany. Bayer Leverkusen uh, plays center back. He's been linked to Chelsea for about the last year, but I think that is finally starting to fade off a little bit. A uh, perfectly competent tackler as a defender, but really more of an on-the-ball player. Look for this guy to play a little bit out of position when he's got the ball because he's going to try to make fairly deep runs and really set up the offense with it. Match number eight. This one is our only other Sunday match, and we're off to China for their FA Cup single match final. This FA Cup tournament is open to teams from the top three leagues. Pretty sure the winners from this get an AFC Champions League berth. It's going to be held in a neutral site in Chengdu City. And the matchup is Shandong Taishan versus Shanghai Port. The series between them in recent years has been pretty close. Uh, Taishan have had the better of it with a 7-5-5 record. The team that is really most excited about this match or it at least who made the match, is Chengcheng Yatai, which is the team that finished in fourth place in the Chinese Super League. Because two teams that finished above them and would have already made the Champions League anyway got to the FA Cup final, it means that number four, Chengcheng Yatai, also get to go to the Champions League, although they won't get to start in the group stage. They'll be a little bit further back. In any case, let's talk about, on paper, your host first, Shandong Taishan. Uh, If these names, by the way, don't seem super familiar, even though you might follow Asian football just a little bit, it's because, well, for example, this team until this year had Lunang as part of its name, a corporate sponsor. Just about all the teams in the top flight in China had corporate sponsors directly in their names, but that practice was stopped by the league in the FA this particular year for some reason. In any case, they play in the city of uh, Jinan, which is in the Shandong province, which is an eastern coastal province. The city's got about 9 million people. Uh, To advance to the final, they beat another top flight squad, uh, Henan Songshan Longmen, 5-2 on aggregate. It was a home and away two-legged tie. In league play, uh, they have won four league titles, and they are your defending champions now. They just won the Chinese Super League. Uh, 2019 internationally, the Champions League, they finished in the round of 16. Best they ever did in that tournament, though, was the quarterfinals. That was in 2016. As far as this event, they are five-time FA Cup winners, and they last won it just two years ago. Looking at what they're like statistically, they've got uh, from league play I'm looking at, tied for the number one offense, scoring over two goals per match. They also had the second best defense, one of uh, two or three teams that wasn't even averaging conceding a goal per match, and they have the number one overall goal differential as well. Tied for number in four in league scoring, European footy fans, this uh, match segment is going to be a uh, sort of a festival of whatever happened to, whatever happened to uh, Marouane Fellaini. 
the Belgian midfielder who spent a lot of his career with Everton and Manchester United. Well, he's 34 years old now, and he's probably getting a buckets and buckets of money tossed on him by China because that's what they do over there to get some of these uh, older uh, Western European players once they're just past their peak. He's got 87 national team caps with Belgium, though I don't know if he's still active with them anymore. Then also a possible key man of the match for them, tied for number three in assists from South Korea, is their central midfielder, Sun Jun-ho. The team's form, good night. They are unbeaten in their last 19 matches, although they had three straight draws. So there might be a little bit of a, a relaxing thing going on. Maybe they will be prone to a defeat. So hoping is... Shanghai Port. They are the Red Eagles. They were known as SIPG, and this is another one of your truly traditional powers from the league. They play out of the Pudong district of Shanghai. Pretty sure that means East Bank, but my Chinese is even worse than my uh, my French, to be honest. Uh, it, what I do know is it's right. the district is right across the river from the historic city center. Area's got about five and a half million people. And if you like Disney stuff, plan your next vacation there. Why not? COVID allowing, of course. In 2016, they opened what at the time was the newest Disneyland in the world and resort right there in this particular district. Uh, to advance to the final, they beat Shanghai Shenhua 6-2 on aggregate in the two-legged semifinal. Uh, their 2021 Super League season, they finished in second place. They had the best offense going, and then the number one defense, very impressive, allowing just over a goal on average every other match was all. Defense travels, and at a neutral side, I like Shanghai Port. But they're not without their offense as well, of course. On the scoring leaderboard for this team, key player to look for, Lu Wenzhong. He'll be playing left wing, and he has been here a long time, his entire career since 2006. And then another whatever happened to Oscar or Oscar. I can't remember which uh, syllable gets the emphasis for him. The Brazilian attacking midfielder who spent 2012 through 2016 tearing things up with Chelsea. This is where he is now leading the league in assists. As far as the team's current form, they are 3-2-0 in their last five with an 8-4 and goal differential. Match number nine. You get Monday off, and then we start up again on Tuesday. Match number nine, we're headed to Portugal. Their FA Cup is in full swing. They've reached the quarterfinal stage. Uh, not the most important or dramatic stage, but I wanted to give us a chance to do some more minnow watching. We had a little leeway this week. Um, all of the teams from the top four leagues, except for uh, teams' reserve sides, get to participate in this, and then a handful of teams from the fifth level of the Portuguese football pyramid. And by the way, the winners do get a Europa League berth. And this is a chance for us to look at a team that we'll probably never get to see again, maybe. Uh, they are called Lessa. They are from the fourth level. They are going to be playing host, by luck of the draw, to Mighty Mighty Sporting CP, one of the, quote, big three, end quote, in Portugal's top flight, the Primeira Liga. So we won't be talking about them because we've done it before and we'll do it again. This is a chance for us to look at another minnow. Lessa, they play out of the Porto district, not the city. Uh, the area that they're in is called uh, Matosinhos, if I'm getting the pronunciation right. It's an area of about 175, maybe 200,000. Big oil refinery area. Gulp Energia is the biggest one there or has been. But unfortunately for the people in this area and their economy, they just stopped the operations there within the last few months to focus on one other big refinery in another part of the country. But there's also a really, really big cruise ship terminal there. I think sardine fishing is a big, pretty big part of the uh, economy there. In any case, this is a team that is not going to be very familiar to us because they're in the fourth level, but they have played Division One ball before. Back from 1995 through 1998, they got to play in the Primera Liga, but then they got relegated, not for poor play, but for financial issues. Uh, corruption, I think, amongst other things, I saw an ex-president, amongst others, uh, running away with a substantial amount of club money. They've had a lot of trouble. They've always been a team that I think people have expected uh, to make a climb back, and they just really haven't managed it. Instead, they've fallen all the way to the Campeonato Portugal, which is what they call the Level 4 League here. This uh, was actually the third tier league until last year, but the Portuguese FA created a new Liga 3, and so now this one is down in the fourth tier. 
As far as the uh, footy proper, uh, this season they are tied for number one in their league, uh, but ahead on GD uh, goal differential. So they're in a position, admittedly only halfway through the season, to get promoted to the new League of Three, perhaps. Their statistics certainly look like it. Number one on offense, scoring over twice per match. They've got the number one defense in their league as well, having given up only six goals in ten matches. And that is good for a goal differential, three times better than anybody else in the league. Good luck to them against Sporting CP. Quite frankly, they're going to need it. Person Noob Sandwich Review. Since Person Noob and I have already had dinner tonight at the time of recording, I have decided to get out a snack for myself, which is multi-seed crackers and roasted pine nut hummus. Based on how this looks, would you like to try it, Person Noob? Nope. Uh, Would you like to smell it to see if you'd like to try it? Maybe. Nana's old hospital. That's what exactly what it smells like. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Ah, but don't forget, Person Noob, we also have our Super Fun 3 bonus matches to go after this as well. But at least your countdown duties will be done. In any case, number 10 is a Wednesday match from Bahrain's Premier League. Uh, this is the number 25 AFC-ranked league, so just a little bit below average of the leagues in Asia. To be perfectly honest, I'm unsure if the winners go to the Champions League, perhaps to a qualifying round, or if they go to the AFC Cup. They're kind of right on the border in the coefficients for that. Pretty sure it's an AFC Cup berth. In any case, this is a 10-team league, and they are halfway through their double round robin. And your matchup is number B in the table, Manama, taking on number one, Riffa. These are the only two undefeated teams in the league, and Riffa currently lead by two. And that's all you get to know for this particular one, because we like to use our study of soccer as an excuse to learn about other things in the world. Quite often, that's food. And so this is going to be another recipe segment. I got to be honest, it was pretty hard to find something that was exclusively Bahraini as far as cuisine, because there are so many uh, influences for this area. You've got uh, South Asia, particularly India, influencing influencing this area. Obviously, Arab and uh, more specifically, uh, cuisine of the Levant has some influence on this area. And you've even got some European and in particular, for some reason, Portuguese elements. But I did find something that at least in name was called Bahraini Kebab. So here's to hoping that this really is something that is particular to the country. Uh, Before I start, by the way, I want to open with, uh, you're going to want to serve this with yogurt and coriander to make kind of a spicy dipping sauce. Uh, this is going to be a battered kebab. So you're going to, uh, what you're going to want is you're going to do chickpea flour, very specifically, baking powder, salt, chili powder, and garam masala into a medium mixing bowl. Now, garam masala, I was not familiar with. Masala, I had something of an idea on that it's just a, sort of a mix of spices. It is specifically referencing a South, uh, a South Asian or Indian mix of spices, but it can have any number of different spices in it in different uh, combinations. This is sort of like the word curry. It has a definition, but in effect, it can mean just about anything. But I will say the best thing to do is to include coriander, if you can, in your garam masala, since that's going to match well with the dip that I recommended. You're going to pour this, uh, you're going to pour in the water, uh, whisk all these ingredients together until you get a very smooth batter. Then you're going to want to add in vegetables, tomato, onion, spring onion, chili, garlic, and mix all this together and then leave the batter in your refrigerator covered for about 25 to 30 minutes is all. This is a fairly quick recipe. Once that half hour is done, you heat up your oil in a frying pan, and once it's heated, place tablespoons of the batter carefully into the hot oil and fry them until they are a deep golden brown. And yes, like anything else that you would be doing in hot oil, you are going to want to flip this over. And then when you serve it, let them sit for a little bit. You want to serve these warm but not too hot, same as you would for your coriander yogurt dipping sauce. And that is a little taste of Bahrain for you before we get into the bonus matches. Bring forth the bonus matches. Perhaps my favorite part of the show, in large part because you, the listener, have had a chance to help decide what the matches are going to be. How does that work? Easy. Twitter. 
Soccer Noob USA is my handle there. The beginning of every week, I put up candidate matches for each of these very unique matches. They're much different than the other ones throughout the show that are one versus B or big national team matches. You vote. I make the magic content. It is dreamy. Our first one is a first versus last place matchup that we like to dramatically call with echo sound effect, the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. I used to have my own echo sound effect and a uh, person who said she could do it better. I am sure without even listening to my old one that she was right. The... First match that you have voted on, our route of the week, is a Sunday match for the second week in a row. We are headed off to the Bermuda Premier Division, where they have never sent their winner off to one of the international CONCACAF competitions, but maybe someday. What we do know more certainly is that three teams will get relegated. They're about halfway through the season, and this is probably about the 25th ranked uh, league in all of CONCACAF. Your matchup. Number nine, Crossroad Warriors. We talked about them last week in the match of Disappointed versus number one, Dandy Town Hornets. What a name. Here's how the table looks. Uh, Crossroads, they're only one spot from safety and not getting relegated. They trail Robin Hood FC by two points. Meanwhile, Dandy Town, they lead Pembroke Hamilton by seven points. Somebody's got to get them to drop some points. So they're absolutely going to run away with the league this year. We talked about Crossroads last week. So just a little reminder about them. They have a slogan. I like uh, knowledge, faith, uh, victory. They're out of Smith's parish. Uh, one of, I believe nine parishes on the Island is on the Northwest part of the main Island area of about 6,000 last year. They finished in 10th place in a shortened season because of COVID the last full season, 2019, 2020, they finished in just eighth place out of the 10 teams at that time. But Dandy Town, that's the team we've never talked about before. Now, I'll be honest. I know one of the reasons, or I suspect at least, that people want to know is why on earth are they called Dandy Town? And I really looked for a long time and I could not find a specific reason. There's just a lot of British influence, obviously, down in Bermuda. It's, you know, a territory for them. It's just part of what's there. They don't play in bowler hats or anything like that, although I think that would be cool. But what is cool is their nickname, and I actually had to search for this. Uh, their unofficial t- uh, team nickname is the Big Bad Dandy Dickies. Just absolutely love it. Uh, they are also known as Bermuda Hill FC, and if anybody wants to call them that instead of Dandy Town, they will face the wrath of me and Person Noob and others because uh, the team is just cool as it is as Dandy Town. They were founded in 1973. They play out of the Pembroke Parish, which is in the west central part of the main island. It's the part that juts the furthest out into uh, the great sound of western Bermuda, the water there. Uh, the reason it's got its name is because of a loose geographical resemblance to Pembrokeshire district in Wales. About 11,000 people live here, uh, and uh, the capital city is probably better known to you. That is where Hamilton is. Uh, they've got really interesting team colors, brown and gold, and yet they really seem to work together. Sort of a burnt but not quite rusty brown. Uh, their ground, St. John's Field or Stadium, has a capacity only of about a thousand. This team has won eight league titles, but I don't think they've managed it since 2015-16. Uh, this year, obviously, looking like they're well on their way to it. They've got the second best offense going at exactly two and a half goals per match. Second best defense; they've only allowed seven in their ten matches. Good, easily for the number one. Uh, key metric of goal differential, number one there. And uh, the team's current form after uh, what I believe was their only loss of the season, they have bounced with uh, two straight wins over admittedly fairly weak teams. This is the softer part of their schedule. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. And why do we sing about these teams? Well, because nobody else in the podcast world is probably even talking about them, but we will. We love it. The most meaningless match in the world is all about two teams smack dab from the middle of their in the middle of their standings, more or less 
perfectly equidistant from uh, the teams near the top that would earn international tournament berths, like Champions League berths, or finishing way down in last place or close enough to last place that they are in the relegation zone, which would mean at the end of the year that they would get kicked out of the league into a secondary division, perhaps never to be heard from again. The most meaningless match in the world. It's a public service, quite frankly. And for this one, we are going to go to Iran's Persian Gulf Pro League for Saturday. Uh, the top three teams from this league make the Champions League. The bottom two get almost relegate, uh, get automatically relegated, rather. And these two teams are probably uh, not going to have to worry about any of that stuff. That's why they're in this match. They're almost halfway through the season in Iran. Matchup we're looking at is number 10, Nasaji, and they're taking on number 9, uh, Zob Ahan. Nasaji currently lead number 15, Naft MS by 5. That's the position that represents the relegation zone in this league. And then in turn, uh, Zob Ahan, they trail number three, Sepahan. That's the last team that would get a Champions League berth by eight points in the table. And a lot of teams to climb over or fall past for them to get to either of those positions. They're just going to stay in the middle. As far as the series uh, recently between these two, not a ton of games, but uh, Zabahan have had the best of it. Three, two, and one is their record against them. We'll talk about Nasaji first. They are known as the Tigers. Uh, the more full name is FC Nasaji uh, Mazandara. Uh, no, I want to get my pronunciation right. I wrote it down for a reason. Uh, Mazandaron. That's what it is. The pronunciation is not meaningless, just the match. That is going to be the name of the district they are in. This is the oldest club out of the Caspian re uh, region. The actual city that they play in is called uh, Kaim Shar. And they are in the north central part of the country, area of about 200,000. Uh, this is right next to the Alborz Mountains, which are the highest ones in all of the Middle East. And then once you get out of there, it's a very agricultural region, lots of fertile plains right past that, lots of rain. Uh, this is their third straight year in Division One. I. I know for sure that this is the first time that they've been in Division One since 1989, if Ever. That's as far back as I could uh, easily find records on them anyway. So this is a pretty uh, young team in terms of top flight play. 2019-20, they finished in ninth place, and that's the best they've ever done. Last year, they were in 12th. This year, they've got the uh, number seven offense going in what it admittedly is a fairly low-scoring league. They barely manage over one goal per match. Uh, the defense is tied for 10th, and that's good for overall number seven in goal differential. Uh, top 10 in league scoring for them. Key player is Kareem Eslami. He's a striker, 35-year-old. And uh, this might be the first time he's ever been with a Division One club since his senior career first began when he played for a different Iranian club, Gol Gahar. Uh, the team's current form, they are 2-4-0. and oh, And as an interesting side note, this is a team that has not been involved in a game where either they or their opponents has managed three goals in a single match. And now Zobahan or Zobahan Esfahan is the fuller name, which is a little bit strange in my thinking because Esfahan Steel Company, they're the owners. But then Zobahan is just another name for the company. So the full club name is the steel company's name twice, nearly as I can tell. I mentioned Sepahan before. That's one of their key rivals. They're right in that same geographic area. And uh, they are sponsored by the rival steel mail from uh, this area, which is uh, Mobaraka, I believe it's pronounced. They play out of the actual city called uh, Fuladshar, which means steel city. It's in the west central part of the country, about 60,000 people. But I like their nickname. A lot of teams like this in various parts of the world, they would just say they're the steel workers or whatever. But this team is the Crocodiles. First time I've ever run into that one. Last year, they finished in 14th place. Uh, they were promoted to this level, I think, for the first time ever in 2001, 2002. They've never been back down, although last year, obviously, they got close to getting relegated. They've been the runners-up of the league four different times, and all in the 2000s, most recently 2017-18. Uh, 2009-10 season, internationally, they made the Champions League and actually made the finals before losing. 2018-19 was the last time they made the Champions League and they made it to the quarterfinals. This year in league play, uh, just the 11th best offense. They've only managed eight goals in 13 matches, uh, number nine defense, and yet they allow fewer than one goal per match. I told you it wasn't a high-scoring league. Uh, nobody on their team has scored more than two goals, so we're not even going to talk about key players. As far as the team's current form, they've won their last two matches, uh, which immediately followed up a six-match winless streak.
And now, dear New Bites, if I may refer to you as such, we've truly reached the end of our podcast road. Time for one more bonus match. And as always, we do not end this show on notes of happiness or joy, celebrating good teams like we've done all episode long, but rather by treating these two teams with the scorn they deserve, perhaps even ostracizing them other than to speak about them here. Two sad sack bottom feeders from the bottom of some domestic league in the world. This is the match of... Disappointed! And it comes to us as a Thursday match from Portugal's Primeira Liga, where two teams are going to get automatically relegated, and the third-to-last place team will have to fight for their Primeira Liga lives at the end of the year in a relegation playoff match. These two teams are simply dreaming of maybe getting as high as the relegation playoff match. They are that bad. By the way, you can witness this atrocity at 1 p.m. on Goal or G-O-L TV if your satellite package runs deep enough. Uh, try to get a piece of cardboard and like look at it through a pinhole. I don't think you're going to watch want to watch this game directly. It's like an eclipse. It's number 17, second to last place, Famali Cow taking on uh, number 18, last place, get a load of this person, noob, Belenenses S-A-D. That's their actual name, S-A-D. It's an acronym that stands for something in Portuguese, but of course, what is it to us? Sad. How sad is it that a team in the match of Disappointed has S-A-D as part of their name? should be the most disappointing in all disappointed history. I think that you might be right. So let's get into it. Uh, as far as the table goes, actually, there's a little bit of hope, at least for Famali uh, Cow. Santa Clara have 13 points. They're the team that represents safety and fourth to last. Right below them, uh, Moirense at 12 points, then uh, Famali Cow at 11, and then Belenense sad. <laughs> at just eight points because they truly are, as their name indicates. Uh, as far as the recent series go, the teams have played four times and Famalicao have uh, two, two and no record against them. And we will talk about them first. They play out of the city of uh, Vila Nova de Famalicao, which is in the Northwest part of the country, probably under 150,000 still. This is their second straight year in uh, division one. They've sort of yo-yoed, but pretty, pretty far between their stints in the top flight. They spent one year in Division One in the 1940s and then a single year in the 70s, and then their big run, their halcyon days, as it were, were from 1990 through 1994. But now they are back again. May the Lord help us. Last year they finished in ninth, ninth place. Might have been in a, uh, a most meaningless match, but that's not the way it's turning out now. This year, number 13 offense, number 17 defense, and then tied for the number 13 overall goal differential. But they've got to shore up that D if they want to save themselves. Uh, the least bad all-around player, I refuse to say best, is uh, Simone Bonza from France. He is their striker. He's already spent uh, two different stints with Lens at different parts of his career. That's one of the teams in the top flight over in France. But this year, uh, he's a good dribbler. He's fairly accurate with his shots, but he just doesn't take enough of them. The guy, uh, he's only managed to appear in four matches, to be perfectly honest, and he's got just a goal and an assist. They're going to need more out of him. But as we always like to do when we can with the match of disappointing, we look at the most disappointing player, and usually it's the goalkeeper when it's a bad top-flight team. But in this case, the worst player is David Tavares. He is their central midfielder, just 22 years old, and I think the youth is the problem. Because, And wow, I mean, you just can't do that to a team, putting a youngster right in the middle of the field who doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's a fairly competent tackler, passer. He does these things okay, but he has absolutely nothing on defense defense from what I've seen statistically, and he doesn't have a single goal or assist in 13 matches, quite frankly. David Tavares, you are very disappointing to us. As far as the team's form, they've actually earned draws in their last two after a winless streak of five matches, so maybe things are improving, if barely. All right, and now we talk about the truly SAD sad team, Belenenses. They play out of the Lisbon area. Uh, they are known as Os Belenenses, Sociedade Desportiva de Football, and there's part of where you get from Portuguese the S-A-D, apparently. Um, 
it, this gets even worse in a way. They are a rebel offshoot of a club called Clube de Football Os Belenenses that currently plays way down in the Lisbon League, which might be in the, like, the fourth or fifth level in Portugal. So this team left that one and then actually got all the way to the Primeira Liga in just a few years. Now, this club is trying to be an autonomous club apart from the larger organization, the original one. They left them three years ago. But here's the really, really sad, funny part to us. Uh, their old organization has been suing them in court. They don't want them to be able to use uh, the name Belenenses in their name. So for a little while, they were having to use the acronym B-SAD so that they had the B for Belenenses, but they couldn't spell it out. So Persanub, it's gone from bad to worse. For three and a half years, this club was actually known as B-SAD. Your thoughts, questions, insights, concerns? I'm very concerned for whoever's named it. I'm very concerned for them. Yeah, Be Sad is a, not an inspiring name for a football team, is it? No. Is it intimidating? No. No. Do you think you and I could uh, maybe be, be sad? Yeah. Yeah, we could, like, be happy. Well, that's not very intimidating either, but it's better than Be Sad, isn't it? Be better at soccer and naming things. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, person noob. Outstanding. All right, on that note, let's get into their funny stuff. She said it better than I ever could have. Last year, they finished in 10th place. This year, they've got the worst offense, almost twice as bad as anybody else. They've only scored seven times in 15 matches. Uh, the defense are just tied for 10th in that regard. They've almost given up two goals per match. And as you would imagine, they have the worst goal differential going. Uh, the least crappy player they have is the singularly named uh, homegrown product. His name Karaka he plays right in midfield. Uh, the big boys, Porto, actually have the rights to him, but he's only made three appearances for him, and he's down here on a loan out. Uh, he doesn't have a single goal, a uh, couple of assists. His, his uh, defense actually isn't too bad, hence he's the reason he's their best player. He's got an astounding 85% on his tackle rate. Maybe they should have him on the back line. Their worst, most disappointing all-around player, though, is Diogo Kalila. He is their right back, 23 years old, barely competent in his passing accuracy, to be perfectly honest. He can't make mistakes on the back line. It sounds like he makes a lot of them. Um, he doesn't have a very good success rate on his tackles, and uh, quite frankly, he's only tried five of them, but maybe he stinks at them, and that's why. As far as the team's current form, they have lost five straight matches across all competitions with a woeful 1-12 goal differential. Uh, one of those games, interestingly, was a 7-0 loss to Benfica, by the way. They were only able to field nine players, and two of them were goalkeepers. They ended up, uh, I think the result counted, but they abandoned the match not very long into the second half. It was getting so out of hand so quickly. And rather than wish both of these teams luck, as would be appropriate for some shows, because this is the match of Disappointed, we instead will send them off in our scornful and traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! So it occurs to me that a lot of different shows, whether they be podcasts, television shows, radio, end with a What Did We Learn segment. Well, we tend to do, do things differently here, as if you hadn't noticed by making you through an entire episode. So I've decided we're going to ask ourselves, what the heck did we still not know? Well, one thing I still want to know and don't is, uh, why was Kim Carnes' uh, Baywatch theme song only used for season one? I mean, <laughs> this is the girl who did Betty Davis eyes that you're listening to right now. Sort of a one-hit wonder, and yet an 80s icon at the same time. You know, maybe we'll change things up and use uh, her uh, Above the Waterline theme song for our show sometime if the rights aren't too expensive, which means don't cost anything. Uh, we also don't know uh, what makes uh, Belenense so SAD sad. I mean, they stink at soccer, clearly. I, I, maybe that's reason enough, but I feel like there's something more there. And just why is it that the management won't let me have all my fun? I don't understand that a bit. 
And then finally, regarding the sandwich review, when Person Noob said that uh, the roasted pine nut hummus smelled like her Nana's hospital, you might be asking yourself, wait, did that smell send her into a depression out of which she may never recover? No, we're going to end on uh, something life-affirming here. Her Nana made it out of that particular hospital visit just fine. And I think with that, we will say goodbye. Thank you to the management, to Dan, the former Interno Inferno, to my co-host and lovely daughter, Persnu, for everything that she brings, and to you for listening. Thanks so much. And until we're ready to do number 66 in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.